this is Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast, episode 55, a Carlos Santana Christmas, recorded on December 19th, 2016. Hello and welcome to Let's Talk Tribe, the official Let's Go Tribe podcast. As always with your host, me, Matt Lyons, and Jason Lucart. Jason, how you doing? Doing pretty good. Uh, my winter break is approaching, so it's a good time of year for me. I, I don't even ask out of formality, but uh, did you do anything exciting this week, Jason? Uh, there's a little indie movie with uh, <laughs> some British people in it came out. Uh, Rouge, Rouge au nez. I'm not sure how you pronounce the title. Rogue One, something, something along. I, I never heard of that. That sounds dumb. Is it? Does it have like stupid spaceships and stuff? And yeah, no, you would think, uh, but it turned out it was it was pretty good for uh, for a little indie. We should also say for people that are expecting us to talk about it later, one of us didn't see it. Um, we won't disclose who, but uh, <laughs> my, my favorite part was when they stole the Death Star plans. So clearly, I'm the one that saw it. Um, I don't think Jason. <laughs> <laughs> no, I didn't see it. Did you see that Jason Kipnis apparently spoiled it on Twitter and people are mad at him? Yeah, I did. And I got to say, I mean, at the, at the risk of offending another Indians player, I do think what he said was at least a mild to moderate spoiler. Uh, so I wasn't going to get into it with him, but he, he could have been a little more cautious in what he said, I thought. Is any gonna, anybody going to be surprised that Darth Vader's in the movie, though. Well, I guess I just spoiled it too. But <laughs> <laughs> damn it, is anyone surprised by that thing? Surprised by? I mean, so I don't know. I mean, it wasn't well. Like you would I have said, to be on a heavy blackout for seeing anything, and also not have common sense to know he'd be there. Yeah, what he said was a little bit more than that. Anyone who's curious, but I don't want to repeat what he said. But anyone who's already seen the movie or doesn't care about potentially something. You can track down Kipnis' tweet. I'm sure he hasn't deleted or anything. It was a little more than just a character is in the movie. Yeah, it said where he came in and stuff, I guess. Which, again, I didn't see it, so I don't know exactly how much he spoiled, but I didn't think it was too. So, yeah, that was your that was your big exciting thing over the week. That was my week. That and uh, <laughs> shoveling a fair amount of snow, uh, being pretty cold, doing a little shopping. Rogue <laughs> One was definitely the highlight. The snow was just enough for me where I can still justify just driving over it. So I still haven't shoveled quite yet. <laughs> but we didn't get a ton. I don't know if you got a lot more in Chicago. We just got a little bit. So it was still drive over the snow. Either. Um, my father-in-law got us a snow blower, which now like the challenge is to figure out how the snow blower actually works so I can make use of it when we get real snow, which I wouldn't care about shoveling except for the fact that we have a driveway, which is like 100 feet long and... I don't need to be dealing with like a thousand square feet of shoveling. So yeah, I always like it. I don't, I have a snowblower, but I never use it. Cause it always just kind of like kicks the snow up. Then it comes back at you. Maybe I'm using it wrong. I don't know, but I just like shoveling anyway. So I guess we should maybe talk about the Indians. I mean, <laughs> if you have something to talk about relating to the Indians, I'm all for it. Well, you see, they did, um, they, um, they, uh, they didn't do a whole lot. It's mostly other things that came out about people talking about them that's interesting this week. The only minor thing we were going to talk about, but there's nothing that much to add, I guess, is that they're kind of fading in the Edwin Encarnacion talks, depending on which writer you follow. So let's just change it kind of into, like, the further along these, like, the what do I want to say here? The longer he goes without being signed, does that hurt or help the Indians in getting him, do you think? Uh, I mean, in theory it helps, because, like, if his price is dropping, but... I'm not going to believe they're going to sign him until I see a picture of him wearing an Indians jersey at a press conference. And also holding up like a big comical check and <laughs> wearing an Indians hat and with an Indians flag behind him. Yeah, it's. I don't think there's a very big chance anyway. Either Even if no matter how long it goes, I don't know. He would have to get really desperate to sign him. As long as Texas is still in it, do signing anything, they can probably always up to the Indians, I would think, right? Yeah, I would think. Yeah. Good. I don't know. There's nothing else interesting to talk about with Edwin Encarnacion, other than that, that they're kind of getting further away, because we've talked about so much about him. He's not even an Indians player, but it's like the only target they've had this offseason. Because I made uh, that Sparkle post uh, about the quiz for last season, even though they were all minor moves, but the Indians did quite a bit at this point last season. But this year, it's just it's just nothing. I guess around the league, it's a little slower, but the Indians especially, they're not even doing their typical throw everything in a wall and see what sticks signings yet. But they'll come. 
uh, once the other first baseman start getting signed, I think we'll either see them either do something with Encarnacion or start getting like the Adam Lins and other small signings of the world out of the way. Um, I think we have a question. Last week, I don't. I mean, I, I just I don't think there's going to be anything that ranks as anything bigger than a medium move. Right, because it's the same thing we talked about before. They were a team that's in the World Series. They were pretty good in the World Series. They just have a minor need at like first base, maybe relief. So there's not a whole lot they need to be desperate for. And we can save a lot of the Encarnacion talk for the questions later because we have a couple of really interesting new ways to think about it, I think. Um, at least one really good question in the back end of what we got today from everybody. So let's move on to a player that I think we can agree we both like. We already talked about him a bunch. Carlos Santana. Um, earlier today, actually, someone tweeted out about um, when you look at the baseball savant who uses StatCast data to kind of quantify the very specifics of like exit velocity, they I think they do spin rate stuff. I don't know if on baseball savant, but uh, all kinds of interesting stuff that they do. So somebody looked at, uh, they were ranking the exit velocity, the number of balls that each player hit that had an exit velocity over 100 miles per hour. And number 10 was Carlos Santana, which is really cool. I think we all kind of know that he hits the ball hard, uh, but maybe not that hard. And like, He's the top Indian by a mile. <laughs> the next one is, um, I think, Kipnis at 70. Yeah, so it's not even Napoli in second. It's Kipnis in seventh. Kipnis at 70. Uh, Lindor at 73, which I thought was interesting. And then Napoli at 74. And then another interesting thing is that Carlos Santana's hardest hit ball, according to Baseball Savant, was just a little single. It didn't even... <laughs> it was a single off a slider. I couldn't find the highlight, and I couldn't get to MLB TV today because it's already in midseason form, but... Uh, I don't know if that was just a speed that he couldn't get a single on like a hundred and eleven mile per hour ball, <laughs> but for some reason he only get a single. So yeah, I think the hardest hit ball of the season, about I haven't looked at the data, but I'm pretty sure I remember someone saying near the end of the season that the hardest hit ball of the year was Giancarlo Stanton, which is not a surprise, and it was a double play ground ball. That was the hardest hit ball of the year. Uh, so I think the thing that with hard hit ball right to remember is. You can hit a ball really hard at a variety of different angles, uh, including sort of beating it into the ground. I don't know how far the ball has to travel before they can register the speed. Um, but yeah, I mean, Carlos tends to swing pretty hard. I'm surprised that, like, Napoli, you know, isn't higher. Yeah. And it'd be interesting to kind of look at, uh, you know, the differences, I think, between the two of them. Because, you know, they have the same home run total. Uh, in some ways, you know, pretty similar players in terms of their profile offensively. Um, but I'm certainly not, I'm surprised Napoli's low, I guess. Santana being high doesn't surprise me. Uh, he hits a lot of hard home runs, obviously, but he also hits a lot of pretty hard 200-foot fly balls. Uh, and I'm sure, you know, some pretty hard grounders, too. It would be nice if he could get the angle uh into a little more ideal range more often, but I think that's true of almost everyone. Yeah, I think Napoli's almost the, like the opposite. I mean, he gets he gets plenty of hard hit balls. Obviously, he's seventy out of like six hundred players, but I think he it's because the way he swings, he has a like up. What do you want to call that? Like he hacks it up when he swings, so it gets a lot of pop ups. When he gets the power, he also gets a bunch of home runs. So he doesn't need as many hard hit balls as Santana does because Santana hits a bunch into the ground and. Um, Gets a bunch of just like sweep out of the infield. So I think it is an angle thing, especially between those two. But yeah, it is interesting that he's so low. I didn't think Francisco Lindor would be ahead of him. I actually thought Naquin might be, even though he was in less games, just because how many hard hit balls he had, even right. if he like died at the end of the season. But yeah, Kipnis and Lindor apparently harder hit than Mike Napoli. So one thing it kind of hurts to point out, uh, it kind of proves, <laughs> I don't know if it proves anything, but it'll give a little bit of credibility to people that think Carlos Santana is quote-unquote, unclutch. But uh, when you take, when you look at, let's see, I can do it again here. When there's runners on base, he drops like the 44th player among exit velocity over 100. So if there's runners on base, compared to everyone else, he's hitting the ball like harder a lot fewer times than most people. And when you have the, when there's no runners on, he jumps up to fourth. So there's a little bit of a difference there. Do you think that means anything or? Because no, there's a lot of other I, factors that can go into it. So I, I'm, No, I, I, yeah, there's, there's too many things there. And 44th is still, like, I, no, I'm not going to get drawn into a discussion about whether Carlos Santana might actually suck. See what I'm saying, Jason? He's the worst player ever, and we should cut him because <laughs> he See, doesn't hit hard balls. You weren't really involved with the site when that was like a legitimate topic of conversation regularly. So you you came along right as most of the Carlos Santana suck stuff was like 
ironic. Seeding. So you missed the biggest of those battles. As, as a veteran of those wars, <laughs> and like my grandfather with World War II, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> well, speaking of other old Let's Go Tribe things, something I found like just yesterday, there was a, a poll at the bottom of Let's Go Tribe's homepage. It was like, who should get 25 starts for the rest of the season? Ubaldo Jimenez and Aaron Laffey. Oh, yes. I know the poll well. <laughs> that was a poll from like 2013. I just noticed it. I don't know yeah, if that says gone, anything about me. It's gone for a while, and then it reappeared, and I've noticed it's been back. Uh, oh, I don't know. Yeah, no, I, I remember when the poll went up. I remember the <laughs> argument about it at the time. So uh, was that a joke, or? No, it was like a, it was like a legitimate <laughs> question when Ubaldo had been terrible in 2012 and was not good to start 2013 either. Uh, and so he was a very divisive figure so yeah that would have been like mid-season 2013 shortly before Abaldo turned in like a really good three-month stretch to finish that season uh but yeah he he inspired a lot of strong emotions in 2013 that poll is not going anywhere that is now it's, it's like a national park of the front page it can be untouched what's great is there's only like 52 votes for something too it wasn't even like a popular yeah. poll it just well, somehow got stuck. I don't know if somebody bumped like the feature, but because all you have to do is press one little button, it goes to the front page. I don't know if like somebody was scrolling through the polls and bumped it or something, but it, it's not going anywhere. I love that poll being there now. Um, getting back to Carlos Santana, anything else about that really, other than the fact that it's kind of cool that he hits the ball so hard, and we have proof of it now? Well, just the idea of the proof, the, the whole Statcast thing that like we're getting more and more information, more and more people are thinking about interesting applications for it. Uh, you know, I think of it more in terms of a lot of the defensive stuff that comes out of it in hopes that we're going to get a clearer, uh, easier to agree on set of, you know, sort of values for defensive skill. Uh, Cause I feel like that's still the biggest kind of gray area uh, when we try to assess, you know, who's a better player and that sort of thing is especially single season. There can be, you know, a huge difference between, one metric and another. And so hopefully StatCast kind of uh, brings a lot of that into focus for us. Yeah, and I think another kind of cool thing is that um, they're starting to show off the next, or is it the current one? It must be the current one. Um, like MLB 17, the show. They have their own StatCast thing called Show Tracker. I think that's really neat because one of the ways, like the way I learned about baseball, and we'll talk about this later too when we talk about different stuff, but um with your baseball games like if you don't know the sport that's a really good way to learn it so i think having that stuff in there is kind of neat for like the younger kids that are going to be playing mlb the show and like because they're they, they added advanced stats last year and this year they're going to have basically stat cast in there so they're going to be used to it when they watch tv so i think we're going to see a lot more people trusting it and a lot more people liking it than it seems like so long ago that so many people were fighting having all that data on the screen but i don't even see that anymore all that often that could also be my own little personal bubble of people who like that stuff but i'd like to think that it's changing a little bit yeah, I think it probably is. So, um, the other thing that came out recently, which again, <laughs> the Indians haven't done a whole lot. It's people talking about the Indians. But it was the Indian Zips projections, which was Dan Zimborski who we had on the podcast. Well, it's almost a year ago now, isn't it? Because that was at the end of last offseason. Um, yeah, but he was on, so he did his Zips projections. They always do a post on Fangraphs about it. Some of the interesting highlights is Michael Brantley. He had him at two war. And again, it's always worth noting with any projection system, they don't they don't know about like the injury. It doesn't take into account that he has a sore shoulder. All Zip sees is that he missed almost all of a season. So it doesn't like realize that maybe his shoulder will be weak or anything like that. But even still, it gave him two war. Um, it was, and most of that is because of a decent drag him down. Like if he has this offensive season, he had an eight through 8.3 walk percentage, 9.3 strikeout percentage and slashing 293 or 292, 353, 443. I'd be kind of okay with that as an offensive season coming back from missing everything. I think, uh, and then Lindor was the highest Indians war player at six. Uh, Santana at three. Jesus Aguilar, <laughs> sure, why not? I guess because the Indians don't have a DH first baseman other than Santana, just had to pick somebody at random. But it gave Aguilar a win <laughs> in 568 plate appearances. So somebody out there gets their wish in this imaginary world that Aguilar gets to play. And he does pretty good with it. Um, it, it had Bradley Zimmer, if he comes up, striking out 35% of the time, which is probably realistic right now. Um, so yeah, what do you think of the Zips projections that comes out? Anything that stood out to you? Uh, I mean, I was pretty happy to see him. I think it helps to look at them in the context of looking at other teams too. Um, because the projections, and I think most people know this at this point, but they tend to be 
lumped closer to the center than actual, I mean, there's not quite as big a range of projections as our actual performances. So oftentimes good players' projections in some ways don't look quite as good as you're hoping they're going to look. Um, but having, you know, seen the other teams that have come in, I mean, the Indians look pretty good. Like this is a, I'm going to do this to, and I'm going to say this is a stupid thing to do and then I'm going to do it anyway. <laughs> um, but yeah, if, if you look at fan graphs and you click on the post, they have, what I think you were just looking at, it's sort of like a little baseball field with the projected starters. Yep. And then off to the side, they have the starting rotation on one side and the bullpen on the other. And so if you if you look at what they have for the Indians, and you already named a lot of them, um, the starting rotation they have for a total of 16 war, uh, the bullpen for five. So that's 21 from the pitchers. Um, catcher, two, first base, three, second base, three, yada, yada, yada. You add it up. Uh, the infield is uh, 17, so now you're up to 38, um, and then, oh, and DH 39, tacking the outfield, which is the relative weakness of the team, uh, and you're up to 44, and then, like a replacement level team, the idea is about 48 to 50 wins. So if, if the Indian are, Indians are projected for 44, you add that to like 48 or 50 to get like a sense of how many wins you might project a team for, and you get 92 or 94 wins, which will probably be enough to win the division. And again, everyone involved in putting this stuff out would say, don't do what I just did, <laughs> but just as like a way to get this sense of things. And if you don't like that, you're welcome not to like that. But you can also look at fan graphs. They actually have projected standings for next year already. They have the Indians at 89 wins, so not quite as good, but still enough to win the division uh, by six games ahead of Detroit right now. So to me, the big thing looking at Zips is it's another thing saying the Indians ought to be not complete runaways in the division, but significantly favored to win the division again. Yeah, and I don't think it's a stretch to say they're, they could be runaways pretty easily depending on what Detroit does because they're still kind of waffling. But if the Indians don't have any major injuries, I don't think that's a stretch to think. And even that level... Uh, you know, we talked about Mike Napoli. They have him projected to be basically a league average hitter, an OPS plus of 102, um, which, again, sort of a reminder that the home runs he hit were nice, but he was really bad near the end of the year and, and isn't worth, I don't think, bringing back at anything more than like the deal he played for this year. Having hit 34 home runs, I think he's going to get more money, uh, but I don't think he's going to be worth more money probably. Uh, I think Zimmer's OPS plus is 83. Um, you know, his defense projects to be pretty good from Zips uh, and some base running value. But uh, Zips does not think he's ready to hit at the major league level. Not surprisingly, Carlos Santana projected to be the team's best hitter, uh, followed by Lindor and Brantley. So, again, I think there's some reason to, to feel good about their projections for Brantley because third best hitter on the team wouldn't be quite where he was in certainly 2014 or even 2015. Uh, but coming back from basically missing an entire season, yeah, I think we should all take that if we can get 400-plus at-bats at that kind of output. Yeah, and if Lindor does hit that well, uh, 112 OPS-plus and like a really good slash, and what did he have for home runs? He had quite a few. Or no, we didn't have quite a few, but what did he have? I'm trying to find it. Hey, it's 17 home runs projected. So if he hits like that for another year in a row, even if you're not sold on him now, thinking maybe last year, the last calendar year and a half was some kind of fluke or something at that point, he's a legit like superstar offensive player, right? Yeah, no, I think at this point, I don't know if you recall when the all-star break was coming up this year, you were debating whether he had a chance at, at winning the vote. And I said, I would eat something or other. Uh, <laughs> and of course he didn't, he just didn't have anywhere near the, you know, sort of name recognition or Q score, but the Indians winning the American league and him playing so well in the postseason, I still don't think he'll win the all-star voting, but I think it's the first time in, almost a decade that the Indians have like someone who legitimately could uh, be voted in by fans as an all-star, which would be fun. So do you think Correa still, or yeah, still has a uh, name recognition over him or is it close I enough? Know, I think, I mean, uh, Xander Bogart too. So, I mean, I, yeah. I think Lindor at this point has enough name. The other thing is there's a lot more Red Sox fans and Astros fans voting. So yeah. it, it, he has to not just have like the same name recognition he's got to sort of have extra name recognition uh but you know i think he he's he's a big enough name that if he's 
outplaying those guys, he could legitimately win the vote. I think if, you know, the production's close and people who are really thinking it through and not just voting the guy they like or know best, um, you know, he'd Isn't still be fan voting the best. <laughs> Isn't fan voting just the best, just the greatest ever? You know, I... <laughs> I don't hate it as much as a lot of people do, just because I, I think fan, I think players and managers have picked some stupid backups too. So I don't think they're necessarily going to do a significantly better job. And I don't know. I, I don't feel like fans have got have been as bad in recent years as they were when we were younger. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it people do it because they care about baseball. So it no longer determines home field in the World Series. I'm not going to lose any sleep over the fans getting one wrong every once in a while, but it would be nice if they vote for Lindor. I wish they would have voted Omar Infante in. It, it was so close to happening. It would have been beautiful. <laughs> um, but yeah, the only thing I was going to say is that the, the projections like seem low, like you said when you look at them like individually. But, I mean, Ramirez, we talked about all year, he probably played over his head. Kipnis probably did. Hall Geyer in right field probably did. So this is all evening out regression, and the Indians still end up with like 80... Like, more than 80 wins or 90 wins. So yeah. it's pretty remarkable just, like, how good they were last year playing over the head. So even when you drag them down to normal, they're still good. And the other, th- the other big reason for those wins is, of course, Carrasco and Salazar being there for the whole season, which is what I'm pretty sure it projects, like, they have 25 starts, right? Uh, yeah. Well, Salazar 28, Carrasco 26. So not quite, but that's just zips. It does, because they started fewer this season, it knocks them down a little bit. Again, there's no reason to believe they won't start every game if, if they're not injured, which hopefully they won't be. So, yeah, there was something else I wanted to point out. Um, Oh yeah, Naquin. That, that's a decent off season for him, or offensive season for him. What they have, Matt, uh, two fifty six, three twenty, four hundred five, striking out thirty percent of the time. That's that would seem about a regular Naquin season at this point, I think. Yeah, I mean they have him as a little below average on offense and defense, which I know we're all hoping for better than that. Uh, but he's another guy. The way he finished last season, I think we should all be prepared for the possibility that he is going to be a below average player going forward. He's, you know, he's young enough. He could adjust and, and, and be a good player. Uh, but I'm not surprised that zip sees him as, you know, worth having on the roster, but no longer anything to write home about. Yeah. And uh, they don't have, yeah. The other one option is Abel Monte was barely average, probably a little bit below average, but that's, that's pretty much what we got in center field. I don't see the Indians going out and grabbing a center fielder, really. Maybe just, um, who they got? Daniel Robertson, who's not really a center fielder. So that's probably what we're going to have until Zimmer's ready, which probably won't be to the All Star break. And when he's ready, he won't be that great anyway. So the outfield is going to be a mess again. Hopefully, Brantley comes back in full health. So anything else in projections for you? Nope. Okay. So we can move on to uh, Hall of Fame stuff. I'm not, I'm not going to reveal the ballot yet from our little community one we did. But it's not pretty. You were all disappointing. And <laughs> I don't know what all you people are doing. I will say we elected one person into the Hall of Fame. You can all guess if you want. Um, I think I said it the last time we talked about it. So you might know anyway. But we elected the total of one person into the Hall of Fame <laughs> with all the votes. And I made sure it wasn't like a bunch of people just voting for that one person. They're all like legitimate ballots. It's just a middle of the or like Not middle of the road. But as far as Hall of Fame talent goes, he's kind of somewhere on the border, and everybody's kind of agrees, sure, he should be in there. And it just happened that he got the one to be the most votes, I think. And everybody else was decisive enough that it kind of split both ways. So what do you think? It looks like Harold, or not Harold Reigns, Tim Reigns is getting a lot of momentum. Jeff Bagwell is. Um, is this final year, like, the right, quote-unquote, right players are going to start getting in, or with the ballots that you've seen so far? Uh, yeah, I mean, there's uh, Ryan Thibodeau on Twitter, whose handle is uh, at NotMrTibbs, if you're interested in getting a sense of how Hall of Fame voting is looking ahead of time, um, he tracks a lot of writers publish their ballots, you know, before the actual voting's announced. Um, so I think he's got 65 ballots he's seen so far, and he just kind of keeps track of everything. Um, now, in years past, what we find, what you see is that players' actual percentage and the real vote is lower. Uh, than what the tracker shows, because a lot of people who vote for very few guys don't publish their ballots, either because they're embarrassed that they're not voting for any of these great players or because they're not actively even covering baseball and they don't have anywhere to publish their ballot. Um, So these percentages will drop. But right now, with 65 ballots in, uh, Bagwell's at 89%, Reigns is at 88%. Usually, depending on the player, the real percentage is somewhere in like the 8 to 12% lower, but even 12% lower, uh, both of those guys would be ahead of 75%. So I think we're looking at Bagwell and Reigns are going to get in this year. Um, I also think 
that uh, Ivan Rodriguez was in his first year and Trevor Hoffman is in his second year um, are both in his Rodriguez is at 83% right now and Hoffman's at 75%. Um, so they're both at least in the discussion right now. So I think we're going to get two players, maybe three and real outside chance at four. Uh, the other interesting thing is Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens have much higher support than they've had in the past. Uh, they're both at 72% right now. That's going to drop, but it probably won't drop too far below like 60%. And they don't think either of them has ever cracked 50%. So they're getting a big, big jump. I've heard some people say that they think that's because Bud Selig is going in and that a lot of writers who have been against uh, the performance-enhancing drug crowd are sort of saying, well, listen, you know, Selig oversaw that entire era. If we're going to put him in the Hall of Fame, what are we keeping the players out for? Um, so some people have cited that as the inspiration to vote for Bonds and Clemens for the first time. They're not going to get in this year, but they're going to get enough support that I think maybe in like another three years they could actually get voted in, which I didn't think had any possibility a year ago. I'm just glad there's a lot of guys getting voted in. Uh, one, because I think those guys, I think Bagwell and Reigns, uh, are both certainly deserving. And two, it makes the ballot less cluttered for next year. Yeah, I, I've definitely sensed like, oh, why am I going? There we go. Uh, yeah, I've definitely sensed like the the more um, what is the word support for Clemens and Bonds. Just like listening to not the people I would consider normal Bonds and Clemens supporter, like mainstream, like MLB Network, MLB Network Radio. It seems like everybody is sort of getting on board with that now that you just vote the best person in. I think the hysteria over steroids is kind of drifting away. And the other thing I wanted to ask you about is, what do you think about? Um, for lack of a better term, like ballot shaming, like when somebody shares, there's some that are just really bad. Like if they vote for two players who were like, I think one was Hoffman and somebody else who was inconsequential, but like, do you think, I don't know. And then there was others that it was, it was a fine ballot, but somebody didn't include Tim Raines. So of course everybody was all over that guy for it. Do you kind of like that we're holding people responsible for their bad ballots or should we just kind of let it go? And I think people should be responsible for it. I mean, I think, you know, it should, it's a privilege, and I'm glad that the Baseball Writers Association of America is, is starting to look at taking ballots away from guys, not based on who they do or don't vote for, but based on whether they're actually covering baseball anymore. Um, you know, it's not going to be like a lifetime thing anymore. You've got to show that you're keeping up with things, which I think is, is for the best. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think shaming can cross a line into, like, you know, reasonable people should be able to disagree on some of this stuff. Um, but I, you know, I think if someone's ballot seems ridiculous, it's okay to call them on that. I think initially you should attempt to like discuss it with them. And then if they get really defensive, then you can kind of shift into just kind of calling them out more publicly. I think you should give people an opportunity to kind of explain themselves. And again, a lot of these people publish their ballots with an article that does sort of explain things. Um, the Tim Raines thing is so interesting because I think he deserves to be in the Hall of Fame, but I think when you look at the list of guys who are on the ballot, I don't think he's one of like the top five. Um, so I think it's interesting. He really has become sort of like a go-to discussion point candidate. Uh, and so I don't think anyone's wrong to say he should be in cause I agree with them, but it is, it, it's interesting that he's become a cause in a way that other guys. And part of it's, I know it's because this is last year on the ballot. Uh, Mike Mussina is a guy to me who should be in the hall of fame and is also not getting, has not gotten anywhere near as enough support, but he doesn't seem to have like a big loud contingent of people saying he should be in. So I, I'm happy for Reigns. I'll be interested to see if that crowd kind of settles on another candidate next year when Reigns isn't on the ballot. Or if they kind of just go their separate ways. It'll be interesting to see if there becomes kind of a internet baseball crowd guy. I think a, a big part of that reason is Jonah Carey. Because a lot of people love Jonah Carey. I love Jonah Carey. And he is such a big supporter of Tim Raines. I can't imagine if he wasn't behind Raines so much. There would still be people that care. But I don't know if he would have this much support. If not among voters, among just masses of the well, internet. Yeah. And Jonah's awesome. And he's friends with like everyone because he's such right. a good guy. And I can't remember if I've mentioned in the podcast before uh, that the night of game three of the World Series, I left my house at like 12.15, just after midnight, uh, and jumped on the train and went downtown and met up with Jonah Carey and some other baseball writers who had been at Wrigley to cover the game. Um, and so I was out with him that night and a couple other writers who were 
Hall of Fame voters. And I, one of them had their ballot out today and Reigns was on it. And I remember thinking like, oh yeah, he had to be voting for Reigns because Jonah was never going to let them let him hear the end of it. So I feel like if all of Jonah's friends are going to vote for Reigns and Jonah's friends with everyone, Reigns is going to do pretty well. I wouldn't expect Jonah Carey to ever do it, but if I was him, I would try to find like somebody who's barely, like maybe not even worthy of getting in. Just see if I can push him up, see how I can get him by doing that. I mean, that would destroy your credibility, but if I'm like going to retire anyway, I'm just going to see what I can do, see if I can get voted in the Hall of Fame. Just based on influence alone. I do think a lot of it is, is him. Tim Reigns deserves it, obviously. But I don't think people would have noticed without Jonah Carey beating the drum for so long and so hard. And apparently yeah. today he said he's recording a thing in case Tim Reigns wins. Which, as we learned with the t-shirts, uh, they can kind of screw you. <laughs> you do that a little early. Things called jinxes. I that 88%. Um, and the other significant thing that you can check out from this is... Um, a lot of like is is Ryan the guy who tracks this stuff? He can compare this year's ballots to last year's by individual voters, and nine people who didn't vote for Reigns last year um, have voted for him this year. So he's like plus nine compared to last year. And I don't remember exactly what he missed by last year. It was more than nine votes, um, but it wasn't a lot more than nine votes. He was probably like you know eighteen to twenty votes short. So with only like 15% of the ballots accounted for. Reigns has already made up like half the gap he needs to make up. So he's in good shape. Yeah, I don't follow the Hall of Fame super close, but that's one thing that annoys me. Like, what what did he do in the last year that he earned nine more votes, other than it's being his last year on the ballot? If he was worth it this year, you should have voted him like last year and yeah, no, I agree several that, years before. <laughs> I guess I'm also in the better late than never sort of thing that if people oh, right, of right now, then I won't worry right now about why they weren't getting it right before. So one last sort of Hall of Fame thing out of nowhere. Um, what about Kenny Lofton? Do you think he was even close? I don't think he should have been dropped in the first, what was it, like yeah, the, his no, very first I, time he was out. I would have voted for Kenny, and I was really bummed out. He, for anyone who doesn't know or has forgotten, he fell off the ballot after the first year because he didn't get 5% of the vote. He was on the ballot in one of the most crowded years. Um, you know, I think in a less crowded year, not that he wouldn't have gotten 75%, obviously, but he would have gotten more than 5% and stayed on the ballot. I really think when you look at how he compares to other center fielders who are in the Hall of Fame, uh, you know, he's got a career somewhere pretty close to the middle of the however many center fielders in the Hall of Fame. So he didn't even get 5%. There's a couple guys. Kevin Brown's another guy who didn't even get 5%. Uh, the two of them are the guys I think of who felt right off the ballot immediately that I, I would have voted for if I had the chance. But sadly, no one will let me vote. <laughs> just 10 years find a place to write for 10 years is going to be good that's all it takes you can do that right yeah <laughs> well, place if, if, credited. sadly my yeah. years at let's go tribe are not getting me any closer to voting i mean you, you can try we can try really hard but i don't think it'll work it's also worth noting that uh if you turned away uh want somebody who has a hall of fame vote who now works in a front office uh, somewhere. he doesn't have a hall of fame vote yet he's a oh he doesn't oh he might not then because he works in a front office now yeah I don't think so I'll have, he he got a, a a MVP or Cy Young or whatever award he voted for. He got into the club, oh, and he okay. wasn't for ten years. And you're right; now he won't be in the club anymore. And <laughs> He's just got like a poster of you, like you throw dogs. I would be the first to say this. Me turning him down was clearly the best thing that could have happened to him because his career could not have gone any better since then. <laughs> yes. Uh, so, anything else Hall of Fame related? No, at this point, we'll we'll know the results, I think, the next time we talk. So we'll be able to look at what actually happened by then. Oh, we will. That means I have to write our post for our little community thing. Which, which again, I'm disappointed in all of you. <laughs> I'm just going to say that. I got one person in. Um, so moving on, uh, if everybody knows who looked on the site, you might notice that we have a Twitch channel now. Twitch.tv slash Let's Go Tribe. Where we'll be streaming um, at least Sunday nights. Match will be, or wait. When is he streaming? Wednesday nights. And uh, Tyler Griffith will be streaming Sunday afternoon. So at the very least, we'll have two streams. We might have some more. Be doing, like, baseball games. So far, Matt's not out of the park baseball. I did Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest. And we'll, like, stretch the meaning of baseball game, like, play FTL or Kerbal Space Program and just turn, change the names to baseball names and say, hey, it's a baseball game because we ran out of games. So mainly just an off-season thing. But we figured since, since we have a Twitch channel now, this is probably a good time. I can't remember the episode, but we joked about it in the middle of the season when we had a lot of stuff to talk about that. We we need to talk about Mario Kart and how Double Dash is garbage and <laughs> other sports games are good. 
So yeah, which which sports games did you did you play any baseball games specifically growing up at all? Or because I know you uh, said you played Mario Kart, but is that is your extent of gaming altogether? <laughs> no. Uh, <laughs> that said, your double dash opinion, plenty <laughs> of your opinions. I need to go back. And it's amazing to think that you're raising children that you're going to pass these opinions along to. And they're never going to know Double Dash exists. This is what's wrong with the world. Uh, when I was my first, I, I got a Nintendo in 1988 for Christmas. Uh, and then for my birthday, which was is shortly after Christmas, I got to go to Toys R Us to pick out a game. And I picked out Major League Baseball, which was like the baseball game that no one had. Everyone had either bases loaded <laughs> or RBI baseball. I wanted Major League Baseball because it was the only one of the games that had all of the teams um, and you could like put all of the players into it. So I got like what seemed like the most realistic because already when I was turning nine years old, I wanted things to be real. Um <laughs> But I played all the old Nintendo games. Uh, later on, I remember playing uh, Ken Griffey for Nintendo 64. That was one I liked a lot. And then I had a couple of like the MVP baseball games. I didn't. Baseball games are never my favorite sports games because I just don't think it lends itself to the same like level of excitement as playing like a hockey game or a football game or a basketball game where there's a little more going on. And I always really like playing full seasons, but man, playing a full season on a baseball game is like a massive commitment. You could play a full season of Tecmo Super Bowl in a day, uh, 162 games plus the postseason. You were looking at like weeks and weeks and weeks, even if you were spending way too much time playing. How about you? Favorite, favorite baseball or other sport games? Oh, my favorite baseball one is Major League Baseball featuring Ken Griffey Jr. And second is Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest. Just both those games. Like the first one, I distinctly remember like sitting on my neighbor's carpet and playing it for the first time and seeing the baseball fly up on the screen and picking your teams and all that. That was when I first started like really love baseball. It was, it was a game. It wasn't actually watching like the games or anything. And that was when I was like seven or eight or something. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> when you were nine getting a Nintendo, I was like 10 years later, I had my first one, which was. Major League Baseball featuring Ken Griffey Jr. That's why for a while I was I, I was a Mariners fan, but I always watched the Indians because they were on TV. And then when Griffey left, I stopped caring about baseball for a little bit. And then I started watching the Indians again and being an Indians fan. So probably later Indians fan than most people are, but it was all Griffey's fault. And then when he left for baseball, that was like the most de- – or when he left for um, Cincinnati, that was like the most devastating baseball thing that's happened. And probably until Game 7 of the World Series. No, Game 6 of the World Series this year. I was already dead by Game 7. That didn't count. But, but yeah, those are my main baseball games. Like you said, they're not – I like playing it by myself. My biggest problem is when the stats get out of whack, it bugs me so much that I can't play anymore. <laughs> like if I have somebody who has way too many home runs or they're on base percentage is way too close to their batting average, it drives me nuts because I want everything to be even and how it works. So the thing I play now most with baseball games, if I play any of them, is like superstar mode. So I make a pitcher and then, because that sort of works, I like doing that. Um, I think my favorite sports game, like genre, is football. Even though I don't like football the sport anymore that much, but playing it is still fun just because of the formations and everything. And playing, I don't know if you played hockey games recently, but they have a way online where you play like one position on a team. That's really fun. Unless you're the goalie and you're terrible, but everything else is really fun in that. But as far as like baseball games, I'm trying to, I have I went a long time without playing any of them just because I didn't like them that much. I played the 2K games before they went away. I never played the MVP. I know everybody always says like I think it's MVP 2005 is supposed to be like the best one ever. There's still people that keep up the rosters for that game just because they liked it so much. Um, but yeah, that's about my extent of gaming. It's It was all football games for me when I was growing up, even though I like baseball more. But playing football games, there's just something more fun about it. And I will, the thing, the worst about football games is when they made, when EA got the, ah, when EA got the rights exclusively and then just stopped doing anything. They had a really cool superstar mode for a while. And there was that ESPN game series. I think it was ESPN 2K two was the last one something like that but they had first person football and it's like 20 years later and we still don't have it so ea ruined football for me and then now i don't play a whole lot of sports game unless it's hockey playing just like one position online which is a lot of fun and yeah or mario kart you know the good ones like mario kart 8 or n64 or literally anyone but double dash <laughs> so it's, kids they're gonna miss out on great things in life. is double dash the only mario kart game you played no i mean i played I was playing Mario Kart back when you were in diapers, son. <laughs> the, original the original one. Nintendo, which Super Nintendo remains my favorite video game system ever. Uh, and then, yeah, the one on Nintendo 64. They're all good, but to me, Double Dash, that's where they peaked. 
<laughs> the one I remember most about the N64 one is when I got an N64, it wasn't for like my birthday or Christmas or anything. We just went and got one. I don't know if it was like tax returns or what, but we went and got it and we bought it. And for some reason we had to go to like a different store. I just sat in the car holding it and looking at the little one picture for Mario Kart. And when I got it, when you played, I thought you had to push the stick forward to go and leave it there. And so my thumbs would hurt after playing so long until I finally didn't have to. And then it was a little better, but I loved the N64 Mario. Mario 64, obviously, so. Yeah, I mean, I think so much of this for any of these games is also, like, when you played them and what oh, situation yeah. you played them in. Double Dash was when I was, it would have been, like, 26. Uh, I was living with three other guys in an apartment that was, like, a total just, like, guys apartment. We paid, like, $290 a piece in rent, so we could all <laughs> afford to be, like, layabouts not doing anything very productive because we didn't need much money. And the four of us would play, like, four-player versus mode races for like two and a half hours a night like three or four nights a week uh and i was better than any of them so being really good at something and beating all of your friends over and over and over again tends to make it a highlight for you so <laughs> that was around my time when i was a teenager and i was thinking that nintendo games weren't cool because they were all too kiddy for me I, yeah, I, never it. I never like <laughs> i never stopped playing particular kinds of games I never, like, I saw Toy Story in theaters when I was 15, which, like, 15 is, like, the <laughs> ultimate, I'm too cool for a cartoon. But, no, I saw Toy Story. Oh, I, I went. I was heavy into that phase. That was the only phase I went through was that I'm too cool for cartoons. I didn't have, like, an emo phase or anything like that. It was, I can't watch cartoons. I'm, I'm big now. I'm 12, damn it. But, yeah, that was, <laughs> that, that might be why I don't like Double Dash. But even playing it now, I don't like it a whole lot. It's better than the original Wii one. I'll give it that. That one was awful. Everything about the Wii... It's just terrible. Yeah, the original Wii one is the last one I played. I haven't played, like, it, whenever Bioshock came out, that's, like, the last new video game I've played. So whatever okay, innovations have been in Mario Kart in the last decade or so are beyond me. We have, like, full-body suits, and you can, you can you transport different dimensions. You're missing on a whole bunch of stuff, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> you get to go up in a helicopter when you play. It's crazy. In my day, yeah. the controller gave you blisters, and you liked it. <laughs> <laughs> I, that's the thing. I don't know if you get blisters anymore because they have the soft rubber. I distinctly remember Mario Party though, with that N sixty four, the little nub, and you rub it and it just digs into your hand playing those mini games. Those are good oh, yeah. times. <laughs> so moving on from that very important topic of sports baseball games and Ken Griffey Jr. Slugfest being just the greatest thing ever. So next week, obviously, because it's Christmas, we're not going to be recording anything. I don't know about you, but I'm going to be driving. We, we finally got it figured out between the twenty third and the twenty sixth. I'm going to basically be driving. 13 or 14 hours. So we're not going to record a podcast anytime soon. Um, we'll be back on the 1st of January. But this is our last one of the year. And we were thinking of doing like a, like looking back at the year. But we've talked about everything. We've had podcasts all year long at this point, except for the very first couple months. So what we want to do is something a little different for next week. Um, if anybody's listened like over these whole podcasts and you have a specific conversation that sticks out to you, we're going to do kind of like a best of Let's Talk Tribe thing. I'll maybe record something like explaining what each section is and when it came. And so if you have anything in mind, you don't even know, need to know an episode number or anything like that. Just a conversation that you remember that we had that you liked, let me know and I'll try to find it. And I'll add it in. Otherwise I'm going to listen to my own voice for like 20 straight hours to find <laughs> different conversations. And nobody wants that. I mean, I don't know if you listen to your own voice, but it's awful when you do it for a while, you get used to it. But, but yeah, if anybody else has any suggestions for like best of let's go try moments, I'm going to do that. Well, while my wife's driving sometime when we're switching off. So I'll have something to do. And, yeah, I think that'll be neat. We'll try to do that every year, I guess. So we can have at least one week off for the podcast. Because I don't have anything like to look back on. They went to the World Series. That was fun. <laughs> it, until the end, that part wasn't fun. That, yeah, that part. They, well, they went to the World Series. Going to the World Series was fun. <laughs> I'm not talking about anything after the moment they entered the World Series. And the Indians right now, they're doing their... I don't know what you'd call it, but they're... Um, like re-going through all their, their tweets that were popular in the year and longer during the playoffs. And you can just feel the sadness coming through those tweets. Because, <laughs> like, look at us. We're in the ALCS. We're in the World Series. It's game five. Oh, no, it's game six. Oh, no. <laughs> it just gets worse and worse. But the weirdest thing was listening to a podcast, uh, like the official Indians podcast. It was Jim Rosenhaus. Like, baseball's been in the offseason for, like, two months. But listening to that, it was instant nostalgia from a whopping two months ago. I like remembered everything about the World Series, and I think partial part of me has mentally blocked it out at this point, which is kind of a shame because it all happened and it was fun. But I try not to even think about the World Series that much. I don't know about you. Yeah, I got other things on my mind. 
So uh, let's let's move on to our last thing here. Uh, anybody in the comments now, if they have a question, they can ask it. But we also took a bunch of pre-asked questions. Every Monday we ask on Facebook and Twitter. For anything you want us to answer, especially in this time of year, it's important because there, there's nothing else to talk about. So it's basically whatever you guys want to know, we will talk about it. Uh, just ask a question. Serious, not serious about baseball, not about baseball, about fruit on pizza, whatever. We'll talk about it. Um, so our first question, we kind of already answered this um, for the most part. Hurricane Jobu asked, uh, Zips projects Brantley under two war, agree or disagree? I think we kind of came to the conclusion that we agree on that, right? Yeah. About I two mean, war sounds about right. I think their their projection seems pretty reasonable for him. I'd be happy with him to be an above average hitter who gets 400 at-bats next year would be, I think, a yeah. reasonable outcome. And like I said, they had him in a pretty good offense. It's his defense that's dragged down his war. So he's going to hit well, but his defense is going to be bad like it always is. Next one, uh, at... Um, which one was it? Oh, <laughs> at Alex Danko asks, is Angelo Matthews fully recovered from his injuries and ready for December 26th test match against South Africa? Jason? <laughs> this is your running Twitter joke, so I'm going <laughs> to let you handle this one. <laughs> I don't know the answer to that question. I just wanted to say that I think it's awesome that people ran with that. Um, <laughs> for anybody you didn't know, it started in like the middle of the season where the Indians would get blown out and then I would just get bored of live tweeting destruction. And so I just start tweeting about the, which was a Sri Lankan cricket team <laughs> and it carried over. I try not to overuse it. Like, but people tweet at me when the Indians are getting blown out, like how are the Sri Lankan doing? So that was fun. That was especially on the, there were so many fun Twitter moments in the postseason, especially, but this whole year is a lot of fun. And that, that running gag, I hated that. I probably could have used it in the world series. That was a shame, but it was fun. So yeah, I don't know if he'll be ready. I will say the only way I know those things is I have to Google in like two seconds, find the first Sri Lankan name I can find and make a news thing out of it. <laughs> I don't know if I was wrong on any of those tweets, but it counted enough apparently. So the next one, at HIJ Cats. Uh, he wants to know, do we still wake up in the middle of the night thinking about the bottom of the game seven? Santana, Kipnis, Lindor, so damn close. Do you wake up in a cold sweat thinking of Jason Kipnis' foul ball that just barely missed? I don't. When I'm already awake, it comes to mind and does make me sad. Uh, I did not sleep well the night it happened, but I've got other nightmares waking me up these days. So, <laughs> Santana kicked this window at that bottom of the ninth is more of a waking bad dream. He didn't even mention the worst part, of the, or the bottom of the tenth. That was Michael Martinez, but um, what was I going to say? Oh, I hate that song now that they play. I watch MLB Network a lot as background noise. There's one song they always play when the Cubs come on, and it's a World Series, and I hate that song now. And It's awful. It was close. It's weird to think at this point, too. Right after that game happened, I like did not want to write or talk about baseball. It's weird to think that a month later, we'd still be writing a lot, and the podcast is going smoothly every week. Like I couldn't even imagine talking about baseball the first few days afterwards. I think the first thing I wrote was about Carlos's extension like four days later <laughs> after the recap. That was not a fun little span of time. But yeah, I, I'll still follow yeah. I, I've read a ton of baseball stuff and obviously talking with you every week. I have not watched a minute of sports since game seven. Not, uh, not nothing, not a basketball game, really? not a football game, not a soccer, nothing. I haven't watched a single minute of sports in what a month and a half now. How did you resist watching soccer all that time? I'd rather watch <laughs> soccer than football. So. <laughs> I've watched a little bit of hockey, but I usually don't watch. I usually watch quite a bit of hockey. I just haven't watched any. In football, I have watched a little bit of football just to know what's going on. I can't get into basketball. I wish I could because the Cavs are good, but I can't watch them anyway. So, but Is it because you don't want to – is it because nothing can compare to the World Series or you don't want to think about the feeling of sports right now? Yeah, I don't know. I, I, can't, I just right now can't bring myself to care about any of it. So, like, when baseball's back, I'll care about baseball. Like I said, I've been reading baseball stuff every day. But, yeah, I just can't bring myself to care about – the NFL or NBA or college stuff at all right now. The worst part, I'm going to blame you entirely for this, is before I did this, before I even started just doing the, the writing, before writing the site, like I could go with baseball offseason and just forget about baseball and let the offseason happen and not constantly think about it and want baseball to be coming back. But now it's all I want for like six straight months. So thank you, Jason. It's very <laughs> nice of you. <laughs> thank you for cursing me with this, with wanting well, baseball to be back every waking only second. Only to share the love. <laughs> So the next one, uh, at Daniel Square E, he wants to know if we don't sign Encarnacion, what are the chances of an extension for Santana? So I guess we'll tie those things together. So if the Indians, what are the chances? Oh, extension. I was thinking taking up his option. So since the Indians are probably not going to sign Encarnacion, do you think Santana's going to get an extension? Uh, yeah, that's an interesting thought. Um, I'd be, 
I just I feel like if they if they were to extend him, they'd want to extend him for like a year. And I don't know if you're Santana, like unless they're also bumping your pay for next year. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It'd be that's an interesting like alternate angle. Is do they think enough of how he's going to do going forward to try to lock him up for a couple more years? I mean, I love Carlos, so of course I'd be on board for it. <laughs> Lifetime uh, contract. But I guarantee you. I mean, the way he phrased this phrased this question is perfect because this is exactly how a ton of Indians fans would react. Would be like, oh man, instead of going out and getting Edwin and Carnacion, they're just bringing <laughs> Santana back. They're the worst. Um, so I look forward to people losing their minds about the Dolans being terrible owners and cheap if they were to extend Santana. Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like to see him extended. I but. Off the top of my head, I can't even really think of like what I think a reasonable, say, two-year extension would be. I guess maybe like an extra, maybe like fifteen million each of those years or something like that. I would uh, think his option year is twelve million, so just bump yeah. that up a little bit. So I don't know. I, I'd be up for it because I'd like to see him stick around. Um, yeah. I guess I would. I would bet against it though. I don't. I don't think they're going to sign Carnacion. So I think if this isn't either or, they'd have the money for Santana. Uh, I don't think they'll extend him, though. I think, um, depending on how he does uh, this year, is it next year he's a free agent, or next year is his last year? Yeah, no, this 2017 is it. He'll be a free okay, agent. Okay, yeah. It depends year. on what he does this year. It'd be interesting to see if they do a um, qualifying offer for him. He's got to be pretty close, at least, right? Yeah. If he's if I mean, he performs anything like he's projected to. Yeah, yeah, exactly. If he has a season like this one, he'd be worth it. Um, especially given that, like, the... Yeah, I mean, I can't... I'm, yeah, I don't know if the the new CBA would change things at all, but if he has another year like this, yeah, I think they'd make him a qualifying offer. That's no crazy. That he's like a year away from being gone, probably. It's crazy. Okay, so <laughs> next one. Um, Tom Wayan on Facebook. He wants to know why not Napoli. Good for town, the clubhouse, and fans. Good bat, good glove at, ver- good glove at first. So those last two, um, good bat, meh. <laughs> he's got a powerful bat. It's not a great bat. And good glove at first, no. No, no, no. <laughs> we thought maybe he'd be average at first base. He was not average at first base. Um, I, I'd say he's good for the town and the clubhouse and fans. I'm not fans like him, but as far as bat and glove, the two things that are the most important, I don't think he's irreplaceable at all. What does good for town mean? Like, I think it's just the same as good for fans. Right. Because it, if it's different, it would be like he's doing a lot of like charitable work or something maybe, which if that's yeah. true, I haven't heard about it, but good. Uh, but yeah, otherwise it seems like good for town is just another way of saying good for fan. And honestly, as an Indians fan, I feel like I'm qualified to say this. Screw what's good for the fans. Like <laughs> the Indians just made the World Series. If fans aren't going to show up next year, uh, I have nothing polite to say to those fans. Like it shouldn't matter if Napoli's back or not. You should be going to Indians games if you ever go to Indians games. Uh, and whether they sign anyone in particular between now and opening day shouldn't really have any impact on it. You should even like in signing Encarnacion shouldn't have an impact on it. You should be going to Indians games already next year because they're American league champions and they're probably going to win the division again. Like you're a crappy baseball fan. If you can't go to Indians <laughs> games next year. <laughs> yeah. I kind of, I'm not, not that much onto that side of the agreement, but I agree with you for the most part. I think it's, it's about like those fringe fans who just care about like the Mike Napoli's being big and fun, where it would kind of have an impact. I think there are enough dedicated fans that, well, we saw last year there wasn't, but the fans that are going to come are going to come regardless. But it's the little things that help get more fans, I think, like like the Mike Napoli's. And, but he's not worth it if he's not playing well in the field. Because if he's not playing well, fans won't like him anyway. I'm firmly on the side of like winning creates team chemistry, winning creates fans liking players. It's just if you win, everything looks good, and if you lose, everything looks bad. So Party at Napoli's became a fun thing because the Indians were winning, and when it became a big thing, Napoli was hitting well. And then the team continued to play well, so fans didn't, frankly, notice that much that Napoli wasn't hitting very much by the end of the year, and it had just become a fun thing. But yeah, yeah, if he comes back and, and bats you know, 188 from opening day on, Party at Napoli's is going to be... Why did the Indians resign him? He's too old. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would imagine that the Indians collapse in the second half, like the feeling towards Napoli, because his collapse would have perfectly aligned with the Indians going down, probably. That would have been crazy. And Luke Randall in the comments, he says, I haven't eaten since Game 7, hunger strike. I would advise against that. Um, <laughs> you're probably dead by now, right? A month, you're dead. 
if he's not, really, it's working for him. So he's still <laughs> typing. I'd say his diet's going well. I don't know what you'd be striking. It, like, you're striking the fact that they lost. Like, I don't know. I don't think it's an effective strike, Luke. It's an A for effort, but you, you got to eat eventually or else you're dead. Right? <laughs> so our last question comes from Matt McPhee on Facebook. He wants to know, what would you rather have, Encarnacion now or a 25th pick that amounts to a Lindor-level player, but he's not ready for five years? So I like this one. Do you want Lind- or do you want Encarnacion when you know the team is good for the next couple of years? Or if you can guarantee whoever you get with a 25th pick is going to be another Lindor in five years? Uh, well, one minor, I don't think it changes my answer to this, but is Encarnacion free in this scenario? Or is it whatever deal he ends up signing, the Indians or the team that signed him to it? Um, I'd say that one, I think. Because I think he's saying, would you rather lose the, the compensation pick? Yeah. No, I mean, to me, that's a complete no-brainer that I would rather have a player of Lindor's talent uh, arriving in five years instead of Encarnacion now. I yeah. I would choose, guess I would choose Encarnacion right now if he were free. Uh, but if we're paying market rate for him, I don't think he's going to really out-earn the contract he's going to get by much. Whereas picking someone who turns into Lindor is like a massive windfall for the team. Uh, if we're paying Encarnacion in this situation, I'm going with Lindor. I'll, I'll roll the dice next year uh, and get another superstar in five years. Yeah, I'll take that. The, the only argument against it is you don't know what the Indians are going to be like in five years. But if they're terrible, they can trade the superstar and rebuild. So I'm okay with keeping the, the superstar prospect. Because they have in the next couple of years, like Bobby Bradley maybe. Not for a couple of years. but So it's not like they're they're forever without a first base and without Edwin Encarnacion. There is still an Indians team without Edwin Encarnacion. He's not going to make everything if they sign him. And they're probably not going to sign him, and the Indians will live. So will some of the fans. <laughs> not all, but some will live. So that's all our questions. That's pretty much our show. Um, I know you saw Star Wars. I didn't. This This would be the part where we talk about it. But one of us is a total failure. So we'll talk about it next time, probably on January 2nd. I, I I don't want to make a promise that I'll see it, but I will probably see it by then. Well, we'll have someone on who has <laughs> seen it by then, and then <laughs> someone will... Is there any general thoughts you want to give out? You, don't, you know you don't have anybody else to talk to about it. I, but... don't, I don't think there's anyone who's like on the fence about seeing Rogue One. You're either going to see it because you want to see it. I can't imagine, like, I don't really have interest in this new Star Wars movie, but... What you said convinced me otherwise. <laughs> That's true. Well, I didn't mean like that. I just meant as a general, your feelings on it. No, I mean, if at some point we have an actual discussion about it, whatever feelings I have about it. I liked it. I didn't like it as much as The Force Awakens, but I liked it. Oh, okay. It was a good one. I heard a lot of people saying it was better, but I don't know. Um, I will say I'm, I'm more excited. Uh, we haven't seen trailers for Episode Nine, but I was more excited for Rogue One than I was Episode Nine, and I'm more excited for Guardians of the Galaxy 2 than I am Episode Nine. But I guess we'll know when we see a trailer for it. Well. I just don't want it to be Empire Strikes Back again. And eventually, right now I'm more excited for Episode 8 since that hasn't come out yet. Wait, what? Episode 7? I can't count, okay? <laughs> Listen, numbers are hard. They're very confusing. <laughs> but if Episode 8 is just Empire Strikes Back beat for beat, I give up on the numbered ones. I don't want that again. I know we're talking about a year-old movie at this point because I haven't seen Rogue One, but that was just my least favorite thing about The Force Awakens is it was so close to A New Hope. So anything other than that, I will be happy with it. Do you care about Guardians of the Galaxy 2 at all? Uh, I mean, care about, like, does it have personal meaning to me the way Star Wars does? <laughs> like, are you excited I, for it at all? I will see it. I'll see it. The Marvel movies mean nothing to me, though. Like, I, <laughs> they're, they're dead to me. them all. I mildly enjoy them all. I never have any interest. Like, I'm never like, you know what I'd really like to do is sit down and watch Captain America 6 or <laughs> Iron Man 4 or, you know, whatever they're on. Like, they're, they're fine. They're, like, fairly well done, completely, for me, disposable entertainment. Yeah, the Guardians of the Galaxy are the only ones I'm actively excited for every time because I read the comics way before that came out. Like the there was a really good run. I think it was like the mid 2000s. My favorite. The new one kind of sucked, but I was really excited when that came out and that they were doing it and that they did such a good job of it. So other than that, I completely agree with you. I really liked Ant Man. That got me into Ant Man. But other than that, I don't care about Civil War or Spider Man or Captain America or Iron Man or I, I can't even watch all of Thor. I haven't watched any of them. I fell asleep to the first one a couple times. Those are the only ones I will say are awful. The rest of the Marvel movies, like you said, they range from like adequate to very, very good. But Thor is awful. I hate those movies. <laughs> That's our movie segment, because some of us didn't see Star Wars. I'm trying to think of when I could see it. I'm at least going to have a couple of days after we get back. I could sneak away and see it and just, you know, like dump the kids with my wife and lock the door as I leave so she can't chase me out. I can do that. <laughs> <Good strategy. laughs> 
So anything else that you're doing? It's going to be Christmas. It's going to be New Year's. By the time we talk, it'll be a whole. It'll be 2017. So what are you doing next week? Two weeks. I don't know. N- nothing. Nothing exciting enough that it needs to be passed along. I got holiday stuff going on, but it's 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 standard stuff. Yeah, that's pretty much where I am. Boring stuff around the holidays. Like I said, if you have any like segments that we had in the past that you want us that you'd like a little compilation thing. I'm going to try to do that. If, if I don't get any suggestions, I'll at least try to make a short one. I don't know how long I can sit and listen and try to find individual segments, but we did have a couple of good interviews and really good like back and forth stuff we'll do. So. so thanks everyone for listening. We'll talk to you in a couple of weeks. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, whatever. I don't care. Have fun.